That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs. Thank you for being with us. Good news for the Marxist Dems. Like me, I'm sure you're thrilled to hear that. The Republicans in the House of Representatives eked out a majority in the midterm elections, defying their very own expectations of a red wave. And like good Republicans are wont to do, they rewarded themselves for failure and minimal performance. They did so with the nomination of the House Minority Leader to seek the office of Speaker of the House, this rather than seek new winning leadership. That's right, the House Republicans voting to nominate Kevin McCarthy to be their Speaker. To gauge how remarkable winning this nomination truly is, let's take a look at the math. On average, since World War II, the party that's out of the White House gains 26 seats. 26! didn't happen. Not close. Typically, that party also gains on average four seats in the Senate. Again, didn't happen. This year, the Republicans didn't gain any and may lose one seat, depending on the outcome of the December 6 Georgia Senate runoff. So what did the Republican Party learn in all of this? That only one congressman was willing to challenge McCarthy. Congressman Andy Biggs, and McCarthy won that battle. But the battle may not be entirely over. There are some who think McCarthy has been bloodied by his performance in the election and that the political battles to ascend to the speakership will defeat his ambition. We also learn Mitch McConnell is at liberty to do whatever suits him and his minions. Many Republicans upset with McConnell McConnell spent donor money to defeat Trump-endorsed candidates in New Hampshire, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, and refused to fund candidates in battleground state Nevada. McConnell put his petty political and personal agenda well ahead of winning the Senate, and it cost the Republicans dearly. But what will it cost McConnell? Will it ultimately cost him anything? We'll have to wait and see, but I should note there are definitely different atmospherics in both the House and Senate GOP conferences now, and that could be good for the party and great for the country. Two leaders, California Rhino McCarthy and Kentucky Rhino McConnell. Good luck, Republicans. Republican fortunes improved this week, though. President Trump announcing he is running for president. And we all know that means the next two years will be a lot more interesting and entertaining as a result. It also means that the man who did so much for America and our citizens is willing to serve the nation one more time. And for that, we should all, and I mean all, Americans should be grateful. Trump is a man who's been the target of the Marxist Dems and Deep State for more than six years. They politically prosecuted him. They've persecuted him. They fear him more than any other. And this time, the American people know that the FBI and the Department of Justice are politically corrupt. That corruption rancid and pervasive throughout the federal government, including many of our intelligence agencies and the Pentagon. 
And that is an important piece of public knowledge that will help the president this time and which was a disservice to him the last. Importantly, President Trump this time knows who his friends are and who his enemies are. He'll be building a strong and talented political organization to win the Republican nomination and then the presidency and bring to Washington those who will serve the nation and roll back the deep state and defeat the Marxist Dems. And yes, the rhinos as well. We now know that the Republicans have won by a narrow margin the House, one of the slimmest margins of victory in American history. The same is true in the Senate. And we've also had a second election in a row in which anomalies and irregularities and charges of cheating have sullied the result. And now begins the struggle to right the nation, to secure our borders, to stop the cartels, to restore, we hope, decency and education to our public schools, law and order, to reform our government, to build prosperity for all, and to get about the business of making America great again, together. We have a lot of work to do to rationalize our public policy, to reorganize our political system that is now dysfunctional and a society that is fractured and in profound need of repair. To take up all of this, we have with us attorney Mike Davis. He's head of the Article 3 Project, conservative activist. Mike, great to have you with us here, as always. Let's start with the election. What in the world happened, and what kind of result is this almost perfectly even division of our legislature? Well, it was disappointing for sure, Lou. Uh, I think the big problem is that there are a couple of problems. The big problem is, is that we have election season in this country instead of election day. And we saw going into the election that House Republicans had a sizable lead over House Democrats, at least six percentage points, which would, le which would lead everyone to believe, including the Democrats, that a red wave was coming. And that red white wave never materialized uh, across the country, and Republicans are barely going to take back the House. And the problem is, is that with these elections, with election season where we have several weeks of, of early voting and mail, and mail voting, it's not, it does not reflect the will of the people anymore. It is about the Democrats using their labor unions and their machine to go find every vote that they can and turn in, turn in those votes. And uh, we, we need to change this. Until we change these election laws where we have election day with limited mail-in voting like, they, like, like they've done in Florida, we're going to see this across the country. We're going to see Republican states turn from deep red to deep blue all across the country. I lived in Colorado for 10 years before I got sucked back, back into the swamp with Justice Gorsuch's confirmation, in, in less than a decade, decade, Colorado went from a deep red state to a deep blue state because of all mail ballots. Unless Republicans get the backbone to change that, we're going to lose across the country. And I don't want to hear the Democrats cry about democracy and disenfranchising voters. We saw what they did on Election Day in Maricopa County. All these machines, one-third of the machines, uh, went down on election day in Maricopa County for the supposed malfunction for several hours. They went down, and it's disproportionately Republicans who show up on election day. They waited in line for hours. They were sent to other polling locations. When they got to the other polling locations, 
the they were told that they were they were already checked in at the other location so they could not vote the republicans filed a motion with a courts for a very uh, reasonable brief extension of a few hours so those these people can vote senator mark kelly and other democrats opposed that motion that the the democrat appointed judge said no these voters could not vote and they disenfranchised these voters and the point is is that look this early voting this mail uh, voting is is bad it's bad for our country it's wrong but republicans need to stop being stupid and tying both hands behind our back and telling our voter tell our voters to only show up on election day what we need to do is play by the democrats rules win these elections and then change the rules so this doesn't happen again yeah I, you know i agree with you uh up to a point uh the point where i guess i i believe we learned all of these lessons in 2020 uh we learned about mail-in ballots we learned about taking tactical advantage we learned about strategic advantage as well whether it's bringing in the 51 uh, veterans of the uh, of the intelligence services to sign a silly letter that's an outright lie for a presidential candidate that gave him cover in a presidential debate uh, and changed history. I, I mean, we know all that they're trying to do and and much of what they accomplish each election. Uh, we don't have intelligent political leadership, whether it's Mitch McConnell, whether it is Kevin McCarthy or Ronna McDaniel. They are the three amigos of disaster. They are absolutely incompetent. They are all losers, and they've got to go. Anybody who supports the Republican Party, if they're still there, when the new Congress convenes, those three people, I, I'm, I'm seriously thinking, Mike, I, that I'm not going to be a, re, a Republican. I'm not going to attach my name to this kind of ignorance, uh, just utter stupidity on the part of leadership. And by the way, every one of them is a rhino. And and tell me, Mike, do the Democrats have dinos? Because I don't think they do. We're the only party that brings in a little separate group of people uh, who are basically Democrats, and then many of them get to be leaders. I mean, that's just sheer madness on the part of the Republican Party. You're talking about stupid the Republican Party, once again, is demonstrating stupid in this election, don't you think? Well, I would say this. There is definitely a unit party in Washington, D.C., and it needs to end. The Republicans need to pick a side. They need to understand that there are real Americans in the real world who are paying attention to what they're doing, and they, these unit party Republicans need to stop following the special interest in Washington. Stop siding with Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple with, with big tech as they're censoring, silencing, deplatforming, canceling conservatives. Uh, so I, I have no problem with your call for, for a, a fresh look at leadership. Let me say this about Mitch McConnell. I worked very closely with Mitch McConnell in the Senate when I was the chief counsel for nominations to then Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley from my home state of Iowa. And I'll tell you that Mitch McConnell, I worked very closely with him for two years. Mitch McConnell was rock solid on judges. We would not have gotten through the judges that we got through for President Trump if it weren't for Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley being rock solid. And that is particularly true for the nomination of Justice Kavanaugh. If, if either uh, McConnell or Grassley would have blinked at all, that nomination would have certainly failed Democrats would have won back the Senate in 2018. Instead, Republicans uh, knocked out 
several Democrat incumbents and picked up two Senate seats, uh, we would have lost the Supreme Court, we would have lost the presidential election, we would have lost the country. It was, it was a huge, huge, huge leadership test, and Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley delivered on that leadership test in 2018. So I personally like Mitch McConnell uh, because I've worked with him and I know him. He has a tough job because his job as the as the leader of the, of the Senate Republicans is to lead all 50 Republicans. So he does things that he may not like, but it, he has to do it because maybe Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins or someone else demands that he does something. It, it's I always say that being the, the, the Senate Republican leader is like your, your job is to herd schizophrenic cats called unruly schizophrenic cats called Senate Republicans. So he has a tough job. I will say, though, that once primary voters make a decision, whether you like that decision or not, your job is to help your party win. And your job is to put the resources into these races to make sure that your party wins. And so if you don't win, you're gonna, you're gonna get all the credit if the party wins, uh, maybe you should have some, uh, some self-reflection if the party loses. And so that's what I would say about Senator Mitch McConnell. I do think he's gonna win this leadership fight at the end of the day because a lot of Senate Republicans uh, like him and respect him and like the fact that he leads and takes a lot of bullets for them. But I understand your point, Lou, that we need to, you know, that people need to own up to the mistakes that were made over this last election. Uh, and as for Ronna, uh, uh, Ronna McDaniel, I, I don't know her. I've, uh, so I, I just, I don't, I, I can't weigh in there. I will say that Harmeet Dillon is a warrior lawyer out in San Francisco, I would love to recruit Harmeet Dillon if her husband and her would move to D.C. if we could borrow them for two years. I would love to see Harmeet Dillon have a very senior role in the Republican National Committee. She knows how to fight. She's a brilliant legal mind. She's great on TV. and she, she, she's, she's not a rhino. She's not a wimp. She knows how to fight. As for Kevin McCarthy, who knows what's going to happen with him. He may just implode under his own weight. This is the kind of uh, uh, leadership that the Democratic Party doesn't have. They are united. They are uniformly uh, together on their their goals, their purpose, their elections. They come together, and they mean to win. I would say this. The same people complaining about candidate quality uh, backed Charlie Crist over Marco Rubio in the 2010 Florida Senate Republican primary, and we wouldn't have all-star senators like Ted Cruz, Mike Lee and Rand Paul, if DC insti- the, the DC insiders instead of actual voters picked our Senate candidates. And so I understand it's a tricky balance. I think my biggest gripe uh, with Senate leadership right now is, is once Republican primary voters picked the candidates, the primary's over, it's time to get on board and do everything you can to win. There are Supreme Court nominees who I may or may not have wanted, but once they're picked, or lower court nominees, once they're picked, it's time to get on board and get them confirmed. Once Senate primary candidates are, Senate candidates are picked in the primary, it's time to get on board and do everything you can to help them win. Uh, absolutely. And Mitch McConnell, as you know, uh, basically uh, cratered the uh, the chances of three uh, important candidates uh, to uh, to succeed to the Senate uh, and I and I think it's just utterly for, uh, unforgivable as I do about uh, Kevin McCarthy who was trying who was picking winners and losers uh, with the uh, the money machine that is the 
Republican House uh, campaign committee. Uh, awful, disgusting, and there have to be changes or no Republican uh, no Republican should uh, even think about uh, contributing a dime to this party again. Let's turn to this election and why in the world we have not, uh, at this point, uh, come to terms w- with a, a, an election that means we're going to see a very fine balance in the, in the balance of power in the House of Representatives, whether it becomes Democratic, stays Democrat, or becomes Republican. We have a different uh, atmospheric. This is tribal. This is primitive. It is is absolutely uh, in your face, raw politics. I don't know where we're headed. Do you? Well, like we talked about earlier, Lou, we have to get rid of these, uh, these mail ballots. What they did, Democrats and weak, stupid, rhinos went along with this notion that we have COVID, so therefore we can illegally change election laws. Under our Constitution, elections, for the, the time, place, and manner for federal elections, President, Senate, House races, is set by state legislatures, not unelected boards, not, not Supreme, state Supreme Court justices, state legislatures, or Congress. Congress can override that. What we saw during COVID is is we had these these Democrats and weak Republicans use COVID as an excuse to illegally change these state election laws, and they mailed ballots out to an entire list of voters. Even if those were college students who had moved, even if those are people who have died. I live in D.C., unfortunately. I got a ballot in the last election, in the 2020 election, for someone who had died eight years prior, who lived in my, in my house before I bought it. So. The only thing stopping me from taking that ballot and filling it out and sending it in is you have signature verification that doesn't work a, a, a good deal of the time or election observers. And what Democrats did is, is not only did they go to all mail ballots with, with uh, the 2020 election blaming COVID, this illegal change in our, in our election systems across the country, then they got rid of signature verification. They turned signature verification on these, these machines down to the point where it was meaningless. And then they said, because of COVID, you couldn't have re- Republican election observers look at this process. And so the Republican election observers, those are the evidence gatherers. If there were irregularities with the election, those are the people who are supposed to gather the evidence to go to court. I did this for five election cycles when I lived in Colorado with all male ballots. If you get rid of the election observers, you have no one to gather evidence going to go into court. And so when you go into court after the 2020 election and say, look, there were all these irregularities, and then the, the judges say, well, they, you know, you don't have evidence. Well, it's because the Democrats threw out the evidence gathers, and we need to learn our mistakes from this election. And some places did, like down in Florida. The Florida Republicans with Governor DeSantis, they changed the election laws, and so this, these shenanigans don't happen in Florida. And we saw with Florida that DeSantis was able to win by 20 points down there when in other states it was a lot closer than it should have been. We even lost when we should have won. And I think a big driver of this is because of these all-male ballots. There's no question. This is a constitutional republic. I don't have to tell you this. This is not a democracy. Uh, And what we are watching is that constitutional republic uh, is sinking 
uh, every day that passes, and it is going to emerge as something entirely different. Uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, I, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, again, House Republicans were up six to seven points on this election. It should have been a red wave. It should have been a tsunami for House Republicans, and House Republicans are barely clinging on to power in the House, maybe 219 when you need 218 to have a majority. We, if we don't change these old, not only are they going to all-mail ballots, they're going to rank choice voting, they're trying to make it where elections are not about the will of the American people, it's about pure power and Democrats' ability to go hunt down votes and deliver it. And we have to change the system like they did in Florida. Every state should do that Florida election model every governor, every state legislature, because we're going to lose our country. You're going to see these red states like Colorado, like Nevada, like Arizona, they're going to start falling like dominoes if we don't start to fix these election laws. And by the way, I, I didn't mention it, but me mentioning California, uh, Harmy Dillon, I think, would be good. Uh, I think that there should be a, a number of choices from which to draw for a Republican National Committee chair. Why can't people see what is obvious uh, and before their very eyes? Well, I think another problem with the election is, is we get that, that Biden is bad and he was very unpopular and the Democrat policies were unpopular, and that's good. We, we, that, that was a good thing to run on, but we also should have had a positive agenda, an alternative agenda. And, that, and what Republicans would do if we were given power in the House and the Senate. And I, I think that was missing. One of the things that Republicans uh, must do in the House, uh, if we win back the House, which looks, uh, looks likely now, is we have to have oversight over the Justice Department. We have to have oversight over the Department of Homeland Security. These two agencies have been politicized and weaponized beyond recognition. You talked about the DOJ and the FBI. This FBI, this DOJ, they will send the full force of the FBI to hunt down every Trump supporter who trespassed and took selfies on the Senate floor on January 6th and many others, right, uh, under this insurrection theory. And they will, they will put them in solitary confinement and lock them up without, with, uh, before, their, before their trials for over a year. And yet they will not do anything about the, the abortion industry activists who are obstructing justice by, by threatening, intimidating Supreme Court justices and their families outside of their homes. They're giving amnesty to those abortion activists, yet they're going after, uh, you know, they're going, the, the, these abortion activists are firebombing Catholic churches and firebombing uh, pro-life pregnancy centers Yet they're sending the FBI, the Justice Department, after pro-life Christians who are praying outside of abortion clinics. This cannot continue. You, you can't have President Biden, his son Hunter, and President Biden's brother James get amnesty for absolute blatant illegal foreign corruption by taking money from Ukraine and China while Joe Biden was the vice president. Yet we're going to send the FBI and the Justice Department after every Trump supporter, after President Trump's senior aides like the White House uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the, uh, the senior outside advisor Steve Bannon, the trade director Peter Navarro, even White House Counsel to the President Pat Cipollone, you're going to waive 250 years of constitutional executive privilege to get Trump 
Uh, we're even going after Trump for for having presidential records at Mar-a-Lago, which he absolutely yeah, has I, the right to have under the Presidential Records Act. They, they've weaponized it. We have two systems of justice in America, and this cannot continue. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we have only one system of justice. It's a corrupt one. Uh, and when you say, you, I, I want to put what you said in the active voice. Who is it that corrupted it? Who are the corrupt leaders of the Justice Department, the FBI, and the White House? We know who they are, and too many people want to speak in the passive uh, voice. These are crooks and criminals that uh, people uh, this administration. It is rancid from top to bottom, whether we're talking about the FBI or the Department of Justice. There are no holdouts, it appears. There are a handful of whistleblowers, thank God, who have stepped forward, and God bless them. But I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of people, and, and, and dozens of people have stepped forward as whistleblowers. And our Congress and our, our committees have done so little, it's just sickening. And when we talk about this corruption, when we talk about the direction, as long as we leave these three people in place, Ronna McDaniel, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, nothing will happen because they are powerless to take action. Absolutely powerless. And that is the result of what they did to Republican candidates in this midterm election in which we had an opportunity to change the trajectory of history. And we chose, obviously, not to. This leadership chose not to. Uh, I just think we have to be much better, and we have to take on the tough issues of of replacing the leadership of the Republican Party because it serves no one now except the Marxist Dems who are already in control of our government, uh, and it's just such a, a shame. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, a star of this election, a rising star in the Republican Party is Elise Stefanik from New York. She helped recruit and funds those New York congressional races, along with Lee Zeldin, the gubernatorial candidate that helped Republicans save uh, to win the House majority and save our country by the narrowest of margins. So I hope when they have these leadership discussions in the House that people understand that Elise Stefanik is a rising star. And she was the first uh, congressional leader to come out and endorse President Trump for 2024. I think people yep. need to, to look at Elise Stefanik for a very senior House leadership position. I I couldn't agree more. We always uh, give our guests the last word, and and Mike, if you will, your concluding thoughts. Well, I appreciate that everything you do. I think it's really, really, really important that Republicans, conservatives get behind Herschel Walker for his runoff race in Georgia on December sixth. The reason it's so important is if Herschel Walker wins, it will be a fifty. 50 Senates, and that means there has to be a power-sharing agreement between Republicans and Democrats. It also means that, that Republicans, if there is a radical Supreme Court or other judicial nominee that Biden and Democrats are trying to jam down our throats, they can walk out, they can, they can grind the Senate to a halt because you need 51 senators in order to have a quorum. This is a critical break glass Senate race down in Georgia, and we can, we have to win this race because if Democrats get 51 votes instead of 50-50, they don't need a power-sharing sharing agreement, 
and we could see Democrats nuke the legislative filibuster, meaning it goes from 60 votes down to 51 votes, and they can they can try to pack the Supreme Courts. They can try to add states like Puerto Rico uh, with more Democrat senators. They can really destroy our country. So we we ha we cannot do what we did in 2020, which is sit back and watch these uh, and lose these Georgia Senate runoffs. We have to support Herschel Walker if we want a fighting chance to stop President Trump's record smashing transformation of the federal judiciary, including potentially the Supreme Court. It will all be lost if the Democrats, if the Marxist left win the federal judiciary. That is our last line of defense, and we need to protect it. That means getting out there and supporting Herschel Walker. Would you be surprised if Mitch McConnell showed up in uh, Georgia supporting Herschel Walker? <laughs> I hope. I hope that uh, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, I hope every Republican in this country gets behind Herschel Walker so we can we can get him uh, we, we can get him over the finish line and we can have a 50-50 Senate. Remember, we have Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin who are in cycle. They're up for re-election in 2024. We can keep tremendous pressure on Joe Manchin who faces a very tough re-election in West Virginia if it's only a 50-50. If, if, if Joe Manchin is the deciding vote, we can stop radical judicial nominees if Herschel Walker wins and we have a 50-50 Senate. If it's 51 to 49, it doesn't matter at that point what Joe Manchin does. We need, we, in order to save the federal judiciary from radical judicial nominees, uh, we need to have Herschel Walker win on December 2nd. Mike Davis, as always, thanks for being with us. Great American, and God bless you. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here tomorrow will be Russ Vogt, the president of the Center for the Renewing of America. Please join us here tomorrow for all of that and more. Till then, thanks, and God bless you, and may God bless America.